The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the midst of a series titled The Ambassadors of Light. And what I've been doing for all of 2015 so far is bringing on different guests that I think are doing great work in and helping spread the message of spirituality, of wholeness, of at times a new thought message or messages that are similar to it. Anything that's talking about the oneness of God with humanity. And if they have a message that can empower you, I want them on the show. So today we have another one of those ambassadors. His name is the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Ellerby, and he is a divine science minister and the author of several books. The book that I have is called Return to the Sacred. Hello, uh, Dr. Ellerby. How are you doing? I'm fantastic and a little bit better now that I'm here with you. Beautiful, beautiful. I want, before we start with questions and all of that, and hopefully some people will call in and ask you some questions as well, I want to uh, give the listeners an opportunity to get to know you. Can you give a little bit of your background, you know, as far as how you became a minister? How did you start working with spirituality? How did you start writing? And, you know, you have a, you know, a book that's published through Hay House, which is a, which is a big deal in the new thought com- and metaphysical community. Could you give a little bit of your background? Um, yeah, you know, the last time I spoke at an event, which was about a week ago, I, I, they pulled my bio off the internet and I was embarrassed because it took about 15 minutes of my presentation time. <laughs> so, you know, I've been pretty busy uh, in the world of spirituality since I was a young person. And um, so I guess if people want the full story, you know, they, they can read that. But what might be interesting for your listeners to know is that I, you might say, I felt my calling or began my process of awakening when I was a kid. And I think what was interesting for me is that, you know, a lot of kids, I think children by their nature feel a connection to the sacred, a sense of wonder and openness to energy and spirit. But then either by personality, society, or family, it kind of gets put aside or other things come into the fore And I found myself just becoming more and more passionate with each year that passed. So by the time I was a teenager, you know, I was pretty deep into my my studies in a way that I'm still kind of humbled by as an adult. And and then I went on to formalize it, you know. So I did a a seminary degree uh, that focused on interfaith ministry, actually, and spiritual counseling. And then I, I also, because I was so interested in travel and and looking kind of like yourself at how different traditions and different teachers around the world are teaching the message of oneness. So I traveled a lot and I also uh, got a PhD in comparative religion. And and it's funny because when I finished that PhD, you, you know, I in some ways I was just exhausted from reading but and writing, but uh, the impulse to to share 
was just stronger than ever. And that's when I wrote Return to the Sacred, which was the first of uh, actually three books I did with Hay House. And, um, and you know, I've, I've been fortunate that I've been able to take my spiritual work and interests into a lot of, uh, a kind of unexpected fields. So I haven't been in congregational ministry most of my adult life. I've been bringing spirituality um, into businesses, into hospitals, uh, resorts, wellness communities. And, um, you know, I've learned so much along the way. And what's always been at the forefront of my, my mind and my interest and these experiences is how do we take these high concepts, these deep philosophies, but apply them to everyday life, uh, our relationships with our partners, our relationships with our kids, um, our relationship with money, how we're making a living, how we deal with politics and emotions. And, and, and that just continues to be fascinating to me because I think the process of life is the process of experiencing um, spirit on earth, uh, which is just an endlessly rich, surprising, challenging, and, and beautiful journey. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, before we get in, into some questions about, in particular, the book, The Return to the Sacred, I want to ask you a few new thought questions. One is, what do you think new thought offers to the world? Oh, you know, it's so uh, fantastic. I have to comment on the question before I answer it. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually, though I am the minister of a New Thought church, my training was not specifically in New Thought originally. And and we could talk about this later because I think it'll be interesting to people. And we've taken kind of a different sort of approach to New Thought in our community. And some people consider us moving away from it. But having said that, I have very much, um, I would say, fallen in love with the historical movement itself. Because what I think people do not realize is that new thought has quite literally changed the world. It's changed the world of spirituality. It's changed the world of religion. And it has, it has changed uh, our planet. And people don't realize that because the writings that, that started back in the late 1800s um, which were really mystical Christian teachings, um, are ultimately the foundation of so many things that are influencing people today. A lot of people don't know that a lot of the addiction and recovery movement was influenced by some of the founding writings of New Thought, that, that, that AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, was originally influenced by the teachings of New Thought. They don't realize that teachers like Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey are teaching new thought principles, some of them explicitly and some of them indirectly. But these are some of the most, you know, influential speakers and, and writers and personalities. Today, they are changing the language and the landscape of the, of the social and spiritual mind. And I, I do not believe that not only does the general public, but I don't know that even the new thought community often sits back to appreciate just how much it has influenced the world. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly without a shadow of a doubt. I, you know, new thought, in my opinion, gave birth to what we now call the modern self-help movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so you can find it's, language and consciousness in business development. You can find it in psychology. You find it in mainstream religious churches. I mean, you know, we, uh, most people have heard of this famous uh, minister, Joel Olstein, who people think is mainstream. Half of what comes out of this man's mouth, as far as I'm concerned, is new thought. And he's just polished it up a little bit to be, you know, uh, suitable to his community. And, uh, and, and, and the reason why it spreads, whether it's with Oprah or Wayne Dyer or Joel Olstein, is because it's, it, it touches a deep universal truth. Um, and people recognize that. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So saying all of that, which is 100% true in my opinion, what do you think in specific New Thought actually adds to a, or has added to outside of the conversation of oneness, which, which I think is the big thrust of New Thought, the oneness of God. Outside of that, what do you think some of the principles are uh, that are espoused by New Thought that have specifically helped the world? Well, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to grab your first point uh, of oneness and just move a step away from it and say uh, a, a principle that's very related, but is not the necessarily the oneness principle is first allowing people to experience God as consciousness, God as energy, God as spirit, God as something that is equally accessible in every moment and and not as so personal as perhaps our ancestors or grandparents uh, thought or felt or described. And and I say that is distinct from oneness because there are there are certainly those who believe in oneness but still have a very personalized understanding of spirit or God, and that leads to a lot of of inner turmoil and you know, social and political unrest. The minute you have a God that can pick sides mm-hmm. and place bets and win favors, it's a very different game. Now, moving further from that, a step, what also emerges that's unique and, and critical to new thought is this notion of the power of mind and awareness to influence reality, both in terms of how we experience things meaning our thoughts do shape our lives and experiences by virtue of influencing our emotions, our choices, um, the things that, that we ultimately express and that people relate to. But, but more so that, that our thoughts are an, are an intricate, inseparable part of the web of life and spirit, which means that it's not a subject object reaction. I have a thought. It affects my emotions, then my behavior and I act differently. So the world acts differently. It's much, much deeper than that. My thoughts are literally a part of the environment, a part of the atmosphere, a part of what is contributing to or taking away from the very life force energy and experience of others. And so that notion of the power of thought, the importance of being responsible for thought and recognizing that we can both step back and observe our thoughts and then return to them and engage them conscientiously, um, I think dominates just about every Western field of, of, uh, of life now from, from science to, uh, sports, uh, theater, education. Uh, it's just a seminal thought of uh, it's a seminal focus in our Western society today. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. I want to read a quote from the book, The Return of Sacred. I don't know if you have the book in front of you, but you wrote it. So I'm sure you can answer it. And it's not really a question, but I like the statement. This is on page 20 and it's under um, the in the chapter. Spirituality is not religion. And I want you to just speak of, uh, for you know, a few minutes on this, you wrote about spirituality on the spirituality, religious religion debate. You wrote debating the success or failure of religion is to be caught up in a mind game of judgment. Your energy is best spent on becoming the qualities you wish to see in the world. If you work toward being free, peaceful and fulfilled, the world will change around you. If religion helps you honor that and follow with integrity and deepest intent arguments about faith and religion do not help heal or awaken. It's time to turn your attention to your experience of the sacred and to listen to what those moments are whispering to your heart. What calls you? Where do you feel connected? Could you speak a little about that, please? Wow. Uh, what page was that on for people that are interested in <laughs> looking page at that wonderful? <laughs> it's page 20. <laughs> wow, that's pretty great. You know, it's funny because, you know, people talk about 
the writing process and sometimes feeling inspired, you know, I, I can't fully, you know, explain how anything gets created, but I know that that book came out, you know, in a very, um, inspired kind of way. And I often would finish a day of writing and kind of look at it, you know, and I know for some listeners it might sound, um, egotistical, but it's really not. I think you know what I mean. I would look at some things and say, like, wow, that's really good, you know, or that's really true. I did not write that, you know, I'm just not that smart. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think there's a thing about being prayerful in our creative process and something else can work with us. I think that we as humans um, don't have to take the credit for the beautiful things that come out because uh, a lot of time the most beautiful things that we share or see or do are, are really inspired and they're expression of something that everyone can access. So having said that, uh, I will respond to this great quotation that I take no credit for. Um, and I will say that, you know, the core message there is that a lot of people, I think, clearly have lost sight of the, of the reality that, that, that religion is best understood as a, as a vehicle for awakening, which means it's there to serve a purpose. And the minute that it starts to become the purpose, then it actually separates us from its intent. It separates us from spirit. It separates us from self. It separates us from the kind of inspiration that I'm just talking and joking about. Um, and so when religion becomes a social club, when it becomes a rule book without consciousness, when it becomes a political tool uh, or a vehicle of separation, comparison, competition and divisiveness, I just don't really believe that that's what the seeds of religion were planted for. Now, of course, it's true. We may have had divine inspired mystics and masters uh, planting those seeds, but it is also true that human beings with their limits with their cultural lenses, with their psychology, with their emotion, with their agendas, have shaped our religions. And so I think the simple reality is you can find both inspiration, truth, and purity in any tradition, and you can find a lot of human projection, control, overlay, and politics. And and I think that as long as people know that, then it gives them some freedom to not engage their religion and spirituality from a place of fear. I better do this because this is what I was told. If I don't, I'm damned. But from a place of um, empowerment, from a place of faith, from a place of trust. And as I, as I, as I wrote, you know, therefore, if your religious path uplifts you, connects you gives you tools, creates an opening for spirit, then this is critical and, and, and beautiful because we do benefit as humans from structure, from discipline, from community, uh, from support. There's no question. On the other hand, what is driving the car, what's running the vehicle is the spiritual journey. The, the, the evolution or the unfolding of the soul. It's the soul that's, that's in the dry or should be in the driver's seat. Um, um and hold on, Dr. Ellaby, I'm just going to say one moment because we got to take our first break. So I'm going to ask you just to please just put a pin right where you are. If you don't soul mind. in the driver's seat, we'll soul right in the back. driver's seat. We're going to take our first break and we'll be right back with truth transform. like 
to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth-seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have as a guest today, the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Ellerby, uh, the author of many books, including the book Return to the Sacred. We have a caller online, Kay. How are you doing, Kay? Hello, Reverend Galen. How are you today? I'm excellent about yourself. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hello, Dr. Ellerby. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Um, it's it's an honor to, to talk to you. Um, my question for you is, in your opinion, why do you think so many cultures um, teach meditative practices? You know, I love that question um, because, you know, I think that in the, in the what I'm going to call the modern world or the Western world, it's, it's sometimes not obvious why we we find meditation and meditative practices all over the world. In fact, mm-hmm. what we've seen in, in the popular uh, society is a desire to answer your question. And, of course, that has typically fallen to doc, medical doctors and psychologists. So one could answer with convention and say, well, because it's, it's, it's a universal tool that people have found to nourish the brain, to engage the relaxation response, and to foster a sense of well-being. But you know it's so much more than that. The reality is that, mm-hmm. that I think we forget that we are first and foremost spiritual beings and that we have been uh, gifted intuition or the capacity to, to sense uh, the presence, the voice, the insight of spirit, and and that is that is natural to the human condition. However, just like we need eyes to see, ears to hear, uh, a mouth to speak, hands to touch, we need meditation or meditative practices to access that inner wisdom. So, in a sense. I believe that meditative practices activate um, what I call the deeper senses, 
you know, so that's the eyes within the eyes. It's the ears within the ears. It's that ability to see, hear, feel, taste, touch, spirit. And only by quieting the mind and coming into deep present moment, releasing our identification with emotion, releasing our identification with our physicality, but being able to both observe them and yet move into an awareness that is outside them, do we find that greater peace reveal itself. And so from meditation or from the meditative practices, an entire landscape of spirit and experience show up. And, and it's the primary way to explore experience and, and, um, and know, um, that world of, of consciousness. Okay. Do you have a follow-up question? Oh, no, no, that was, that was excellent. That was a very interesting perspective. Um, um, thank you, Dr. Ellaby. Thank you. You know, uh, if you don't mind, you know, I would like to add just a couple of things. You know, there's an old saying that many of you have heard, um, you know, praying is really like talking to God, but meditation is a listening. And I think that in our lives, we all truly, I think, would benefit from spending more time in meditative practices, taking time to listen. And I like that the the question was not asked about meditation specifically because that term is often misunderstood, what, what we mean by it. But to say meditative practices is really more accurate because lots of things can get us there. You know, um, sitting quietly, uh, a Zen-style meditation, a yogic-style meditation, a Christian-style meditation. There's There's lots of ways to quiet and focus the mind uh, and to come into that place of deeper, open listening. The vehicle, once again, is not so much my concern as making sure that we all, or at least consider, spending some time in that meditative listening place. Okay, let me, uh, let me ask you uh, just one more question about meditative practices. Um, in the long run, when a person is, um, has been practicing meditation for years, um, I think I read somewhere about the uh, physical evidence about the neuroreceptors in our brains are, are significantly different from those who do not practice meditation. Does that in itself, um, would you say, prolong our life or allow us to lead um, as we get older, a, a more cognizant life? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so there's two authors, uh, Richard, uh, I think it's Hansen, uh, Buddha and the Brain, and Andrew, uh, I think it's Newberg, who wrote, uh, I believe, God and the Brain. Uh, you know, even if I got them a little bit wrong, um, it would be easy to look those people up. And they, they provide a summary of quite a bit of the, of the research on neurology and, and the brain. But in short, yes, there's definite evidence to find that, that A, the brain is what they call plastic, which means that good conventional neuroscience says that exercising the brain does, does change its shape and uh, the function of some of its regions. So uh, a lot of uh, ongoing meditative practice um, helps us to develop the frontal cortex. The frontal cortex mm-hmm. is that part of our brain that is more creative, strategic, and less reactive. So there is absolutely mm-hmm. a positive neurological benefit. On the other hand, um, there is also something called the relaxation response and the first physician who made this famous was Herbert Benson from Harvard. And basically what they showed was that being in a meditative state for 20 minutes, a minimum, would allow the body to engage what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And this is actually the body's primary um, um, state in which healing is optimized. So people's 
capacity for wound healing increases, uh, managing pain increases, longevity is associated with people who access this state uh, uh, on a regular basis. So correct, there is there's a tremendous amount of evidence um, that the benefits aren't just uh, spiritual or 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 in, let's say inspired, but they are also physiological. And then I do believe open other kinds of doorways to spirit. Because let's face it, when we're more strategic, when we're more calm, creative, present, we do tend to be more open to seeing the interconnectedness of life and accessing the intuition through which spirit speaks to us. Is that uh, state that you're referring to, um, or is that what is called the theta brain state or theta wave brain state that you're referring to? Well, these are some very good educated questions. Um, I will say that the state that's being referred to is the relaxation response. <clears throat> that means mm-hmm. the engagement of that parasympathetic system. Now, interestingly, mm-hmm. what you've identified is that there are actually a variety of different brain states. And they, and they, so you can be in the parasympathetic state, which is the, which is referring to the nervous system, but you can have various kinds of brain activity. So the theta okay. state is correct. It's identified as the deeply, quote, meditative state. However, the alpha state is also a highly desired meditative state. However, it's the one associated with creativity, intuition, and insight. So the difference, for example, might be a guided meditation or one in which we're seeking answers would typically be an alpha state. And then one in which it's deep peace, deep silence, uh, a profound emptiness, that would be associated with the theta state. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Ellerby. Thank you. Great questions. Yeah, thank you, Kay, for calling in. And, you know, I know her personally. She actually, she's a member of the church here and a friend. And, Believe me when I tell you, she's been practicing meditation and several other things for years. So she could talk to you. She could do this show. <laughs> Believe <laughs> me when I tell you. So thanks, Kay. <laughs> That's great. Thank well, you. Have a great day. Yeah. Uh, before we go into any more questions, I want to remind people that uh, this show, uh, True Transforms, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you have freely received, please freely give. As you help support this life-transforming message through Unity Online Radio, you are helping to, as we've discussed today, shape the world. Shape the world with an image of oneness, of sacredness, of love, of peace, of harmony, of abundance. Because we don't know where these messages go. You know, people can go to the website, they can download it. Uh, via iTunes or Stitcher, and I get emails from places um, all over the world, the Caribbean and, you know, in the Europe, and, you know, <clears throat> you know, uh, Mexico, et cetera, not just in the United States, Canada. And what it tells me is many times people don't have access to this type of information. They just can't drive and go see uh, Dr. Jonathan Ellerby. They can't come necessarily to a Christ Universal Temple or go see uh, Michael Beckwith in, in the Los Angeles area. So they rely on radio stations, online radio stations like Unity Online Radio to help them receive their spiritual food. So if you're listening to this live, you can always go to the website, click the donate button. If you're listening to this later via iTunes, Stitcher, or a link somebody put on the Facebook page, Go to uh, www.unity.fm and make sure you click on the donate button and help support this ministry so we can continue helping people understand the truth of who they are in God and who God is in them. So going forward from there, oh, one other thing. This show has a Facebook page, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you uh, like the page, Truth Transformed with Reverend Galen McDowell. So I want to ask you, uh, Dr. Ellaby, specifically about the 12 master paths. Um, we have about five minutes or so before the next break, so you don't have to cover all of it right now, but I wanted to make sure we get into that. But before you 
speak on the 12 master paths. Could you please give people your contact information, your website, you know, how they can get your books, et cetera. Awesome. Thank you for asking. So, uh, the website is just my name, jonathanellerby.com. And if you can't spell that, then just Google Jonathan Ellerby and spell it as best you can. You'll probably find me. Um, I am on Facebook as Jonathan Ellerby PhD. Uh, <clears throat> if you find any other Jonathan Ellerby group, it don't like it. <laughs> just stick to the Jonathan Ellerby PhD. And it's the one where, you know, you'll find quotes and, you know, couple thousand other people. So I would love, I'd love to interact with you, um, through the contact information on my website or on Facebook. Um, I'm always happy to connect with people. And then my books are actually all linked right on my website. Uh, I think there's a page called books or something like that, books and products. And then of course it'll just take you probably to Amazon. Um, but you can order them at your local bookstore and, um, you know, Hay House is everywhere, so you'll be able to to find me. I would be I would be honored um, uh, to support you on your journey. All right, beautiful, beautiful. So, in the next maybe two and a half minutes, just to kind of maybe give an overview of the twelve master paths, and maybe when we come back from the break, if you want to discuss a few in in detail, because obviously we can't teach all twelve in this short amount of time, because that's the bulk of the book. But just to give people an idea of what they're about. Yeah. So before the break, maybe I can just share how I came came to the 12 paths and what what that's all about. Um, It started kind of embarrassingly with me feeling like for my first book, I wanted to write about the most important practice that everyone should do, you know, like a completely naive kind of goal. And so I found myself, you know, researching and going to bookstores and, you know, searching my own experience and saying like, well, what is the most important practice? And of course, you know, it's like, well, it has to be prayer. Yeah, it's prayer. Well, no meditation, you know, because of listening. And then, well, what about movement? You know, we can't forget the body. And, and so as I, as I started to kind of gather the options to consider, what I realized was that at first glance, it appears as though the world is filled with literally thousands and thousands of types of spiritual practices. But if you kind of gathered them up and sort of piled them according to what they're really doing, it turns out that there aren't really thousands of practices. In my opinion, there's really only a more or less about 12, and they just get packaged differently and and then taught according to different cultures and places and teachers. And more interestingly than the fact that there's only about 12, arguably, um, that those 12 actually fit into about four simple categories, practices that are very much about first engaging the mind, practices that are very much about first engaging the heart and emotion, practices that are very much about first engaging the body, and then practices that are very much based on the first assumption that we are a soul. So that would probably be a great place to start, and then we can pick up when we come back. All right, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, we have about a minute and a half. So I also want to just remind uh, the listeners that, you know, no matter what, make sure that you stay connected, you know, get the book, return to the return to sacred to the sacred. I uh, purchased the book last year. I met uh, Dr. Ellerby at the Divine Science International Conference while I was there. It was at the same location as the International New Thought Alliance Conference. And I was a speaker last year at that conference. And I came in a day early actually to hear Dr. Rocco Errico when I found out he was speaking. <laughs> so, and I ended up meeting you and I was on that panel and uh, for the Divine Science Conference with, along with some other ministers from different New Thought faiths. So I want to make sure that, you know, that I speak to the book. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't recommend anything I wouldn't spend my own money on. And that's why I felt as though, I feel as though it's important for me to let people know. I spent my own money. I read the book. I like the book. I think it has value. And here's the beauty, uh, in my opinion, of a book like this. What it does is 
it takes a lot of research. And, and, and again, as he, as you mentioned earlier, it brings it down to some basic core principles. Cause I think when you give people core principles, they can take off from anywhere based upon their own individual likes, dislikes, how their soul is leading them, uh, based upon their culture, et cetera, et cetera. So someone that might be in England that might be, might have some type of practices that go back to the, to the Celtics might not realize that their ceremonies are in some ways similar to what somebody's doing in Islam. So I want to make sure that people actually get the book, they support it, they read it. And, you know, maybe, you know, down the line, we might be able to come back and talk a little bit more about the book in the future, but let's, Take our last break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Many people believe that happiness is an addition problem. If we can add what we want to our life, then we will be happy. In reality, happiness is a subtraction problem. It is learning to subtract all that has kept us from being happy. What thought, fear, or belief is keeping you from being happy? Let it go from your mind and watch how much happier you become. Let go of the past, release regret and resentment, and you'll be free to move forward and create the life you deserve. This moment of inspiration was brought to you by Reverends Richard Mirage and Richard Rogers, hosts of Spiritual R&R. For more spiritual insight, join them every Monday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. been listening to truth transforms with reverend galen mcdowell if you have questions or comments about today's program or if you'd like to join in on the discussion email us at truth transforms at unity.fm now back to truth transforms You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have as a guest today the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Ellerby. Uh, Dr. Ellerby, please make sure you give people, again, your website information and the names of your books so they can make sure they stay in contact with you as well. 
All right. Well, you are the ideal uh, radio host for uh, for a guest. Uh, the website is www.jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Ellerby, E-L-L-E-R-B as in boy, Y.com. And uh, just find me at jonathanellerby.com. It'll also connect you to my Facebook page. Uh, we have nice quotes and opportunities that we, we list there. And then you can also find the books and CD section. And, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, we got, I got a bunch, but, uh, some to pay attention to. I have an audio series with, uh, Sounds True called Your Spiritual Personality, which is actually an eight CD kind of audio course for learning about the 12 paths and how to explore them in your own life. There's Return to the Sacred. There's Inspiration Deficit Disorder, uh, which is a, a book that's really about managing energy, stress, bad habits, and kind of um, um, strategically building uh, a resilient, joyful life. Um, it's called Inspiration Deficit Disorder. And then uh, a couple of other ones that are interesting. The Promise of Paradise I wrote while I was living in Mexico. And the subtitle is Life-Changing Lessons from the Tropics. It's a very short book. It's about a hundred pages and it's a smaller sized book. And it's the kind of thing you can read on an airplane or a vacation. And a lot of it's actually kind of funny and colorful stories of, of me living, um, in, in tropical Mexico. But it's got a lot of great, simple, easily accessible tips. And finally, there is, uh, I think it's on iTunes, an ebook with videos embedded. And the book is called God works. Why God is nothing you'd expect and everything you'll need. And that's a pretty, um, cool exploration of God as oneness. Um, so that's, that, that's worth, um, looking for. So thank you for asking me to share that with people. Not a problem. Not a problem. Now, um, I'm a Kung Fu and Qigong student. I believe in the bottom spirit soul body connection awareness working in alignment with the body and i've discovered at least through my teachings that sometimes spirituality disconnects the body instead of connecting it and in your book you talk about body centric practices and i would like you to take at least the remainder of the time at least if no one calls to maybe about the next six minutes talking about Body centric practices and why is this and why are body centric practices so important? Yeah, it's a it's a great and important topic for our culture today. Um, first couple of, of qualifiers: all the practices ultimately lead us to spirit equally, and all the practices, of course, in some way engage the fullness of who we are as people, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. But having said that, specific practices do clearly have um, like an orientation, like you really need to be moving your body for body-centered practices, whereas meditation, let's say a, a seated Zen-style meditation, even though clearly you're still in your body, it's very much about ultimately kind of dropping the body awareness. Um, and, and, and I think that what's happened, and this relates to what we talked about earlier, I, I have a speculation, I'm going to just put this out to be a bit provocative, that centuries ago, many of our traditions around the world started to move people away from body consciousness and body awareness because it was frankly, dangerous to spiritual leadership. And when I say dangerous to spiritual leadership, what I mean is um, when people are deeply connected to their bodies in a conscious way, in a spiritual way, they actually, I believe, have a more quick and powerful access to intuition, to deep peace, and a sense of the sacred than they do when working with the mind or the emotions. And if you want to keep people in your program, if you want to keep people coming back, if you want to keep people feeling frustrated, keep them away from what works. 
you know, throw them something like the mind or the emotions to work with, and they'll spend the rest of their lives trying to untangle a terrible, messy knot. But if you think about it, sitting down at, at, at the breakfast table and smelling that first cup of, of, of green tea or coffee, think about how the senses bring you to the moment. In that moment, the busyness of the day ahead disappears. The concerns of the day that passed vanishes. Through the senses, we are brought to the moment. Sometimes we step outside in the spring and we take a deep breath in through our senses and we smell the grass beginning to grow. We smell the buds blossoming on the trees. We look up at the sky, we see the clouds parting and that infinite blue brings us a sense of gratitude and awe so quickly, so immediately. And similarly, when we take on conscious physical practice like yoga, qigong, tai chi, even martial arts, what's happening is that we are being drawn profoundly into the present moment and our senses through the movement of this extraordinary vehicle that we are blessed with. And in that present moment awareness, we can access a quality of peace and wholeness that a lot of times is lacking. I will add another thing because I want I'm curious just to hear your thoughts and responses to what I'm saying. But I, I think that part of the evidence for what I'm saying is that if you look at the proliferation or the quick spread of yoga in the West, uh, I think that a big part of it uh, is because people are, are lacking a sensuality in their lives. You know, having traveled a lot, I know, and you may have experienced this as well, that in many other parts of the world, people have a very different relationship to their body. There's a greater freedom to, to dance if they like the music. There's a greater freedom to touch and be affectionate with friends and family and, and, and lovers if they're feeling affectionate. Whereas where we live today in, in the United States, if that's where you're listening, or for example, in, in, in a place like Canada, if that's where you're uh, listening, and certainly some of the um, Western European countries, there is a lot of fear about the body, fear of touching people, fear of moving wrong or not looking right. And, and what this fear does is it limits us from the wholeness of the human experience and from the understanding or, or the experience that it, by engaging our wholeness, we do not find hedonism and selfishness at the heart of the body. We find sacredness. We find peace. We find a connection to God and spirit and oneness. And in that, quite the opposite of hedonism. Yes, yes. I would agree. You know, we don't have a, that much time, so I'm going to give my answer in one minute. I agree with you completely. Matter of fact, I, I think that's one of the things that makes it challenging at times, especially for people like you and me who function in the clergy, because we're supposed to show up, quote unquote, right. a certain kind of way. I remember um, years ago I was out at Agape and it was a, a conference and um, Reverend Michael Beckwith's wife was singing. And, you know, it turned into, for lack of lack of terms, almost like an R&B jam. Right, I mean, right. They were getting in and people were dancing, you know, and I'm in my Reverend McDowell mode. You know, I'm here on official business. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, Michael was just dancing and getting it in. And he came over to me. He's like, hey, what's going on? I was like, you know, you know, I'm cool. I'm cool. And he looked at me and he said, Jesus was a free man. Yes. And it always stuck. That's always stuck in my brain. And he kept saying Jesus was a free man. And what he was trying to get across to me was. When 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 you get so caught up in your role that you are not be allowing yourself to be you and enjoying the moment, then the role is defining you instead of you defining the role. And I think that's always well, something. So. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that makes it difficult in our culture because we're told to be the role. And when you show up any way, any other way, now you're subject to judgment and ridicule. And, yeah. you know, it's. It takes a lot to swim against the current mentally yeah. because when you're told to detach from the body, 
Don't talk about sexuality. Don't talk about, um, you know, things that concern the body. So people are disconnected from it. So a yoga or Qigong or Tai Chi um, uh, exercise that automatically pull you back in alignment with your body and makes and it makes you consciously aware of what's going on in your body because it's done slowly because we'll do activity. Let's go play basketball, football, anything that's fast because those type of uh, sports are reactive. But it takes a lot of conscious awareness to do yoga, to do Tai Chi, to do Qigong, etc. And those exercises bring you back into an awareness of the moment, of the now. Anytime you're in the now, you're in your power. So I think that's one of the reasons why. And I'm looking at the clock now, and I realize we've actually run out of time, Dr. Ellaby. So we might have to uh, plan to do this uh, later on the calendar so we can finish (laughs) this particular subject. Because I think this is so important that it needs its own show. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, and just yeah. a real quick comment that the thing to keep in mind, if you're listening with doubt is that when we repress the, the gifts that, that we have been given by spirit, then it, our lives become distorted and it becomes difficult to hear the truth. And we will subconsciously seek ways to experience the fullness of life and to do things subconsciously and as though behind the back of spirit is just a recipe for disaster. So embrace your life. Listen for the gifts of God and spirit in all that you are. And remember that, that, that we are a part of the sacred and that's why we can experience it anywhere and everywhere we go. Beautiful. Thank you for coming on the show. We'll definitely make sure we do this again. I'm going to look at my calendar. We'll touch base offline, you know, maybe not today, but very soon. So we can make sure we can just talk about specifically this body centered concept, because I think it's so important. So thank you again for saying yes. Um, God bless you. I'm looking at the clock. We have to go. So listeners, thank you. And make sure as you listen to this show, pass it on to someone else, pass it on and bless somebody else with this message. They might need this very message to help transform their life. God bless you. And we'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. ever find yourself stuck slow down and breathe bring to mind a person who you admire ask yourself what actions would they take would they make a list of possibilities how about making a list of the things that they're grateful for here's another reaching out and asking the person you admire for guidance finding yourself stuck is similar to being in a dark room with messengers of fear invading your goodness Pick yourself up, cut a hole in that wall, and let the light in today. Get more inspiration. Listen to Clarity 101 with Glenda Gibbs on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time. Take the first step. You're worth it. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. 
Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 